0: Due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised.
1: Alright, I am Gary Michael Schultz, and this is Cinematic Quicksand. And this is a very special episode because for the first time in two months, sitting within arm's reach of me is my co-host, the man, the myth, the legend. He is in studio and I have never, ever suspected him of being a cyborg, a robot, and he wishes he was as metal as I am. I'm talking about... The doge. What a intro.
0: Thank you, Gary. Yes. Reach your hand out and touch my hand. We are. I feel more powerful already. Touch. I feel more powerful already. Exactly. Yes, I am all human, unfortunately. I wish I had a little <laughs> bit of cyborg in me or robot. Um, I think things would be a little
1: bit easier, you know? Oh, uh, welcome back to the West Coast, man. Yes,
0: it's great to be back. I'm so happy to just be uh, in the same room with you and getting sunshine and, uh, you know, <laughs> not doing a, this
1: over zoom. <laughs>
0: yes. Getting, you know, burrito after burrito, um, because I have two months to make up for all the lost burritos. So I've just been, uh, back eating burritos, watching some robot movies, some cyborg movies and some fucking metal
1: movies, dude. So I'm ready. For real. What do we like? That's really cool. Uh, we like robots and we like cyborgs. Hence, we've talked about Terminator 2 True. Yeah. way too many times. And uh, uh, I love metal. Well, yeah, I think the metal, the word
0: metal is just, because it could be the music or it mm-hmm. could just be just like chunks. I like chunks of metal, like rusted, like scary pieces of metal. I yeah. like that. You know, I'm to me, that. it's
1: more of an attitude. Yeah. It's metal really like a lifestyle, an attitude. And I think that's the best way to refer to metal. I totally agree, man. And you are one metal (laughs) motherfucker. Thank you. Thank you. It actually (laughs) comes naturally. I don't even try. No, no. (laughs) it's just it. All right, man. So uh, this week we are going to, in fact, talk about some of our favorite films that involve robots, cyborgs, and metal. Is is there any way else you can describe that doge? Listen, there's going to be a lot of robot movies that are left off, a lot of cyborg
0: movies, and a lot of metal movies, but these are kind of more of the pairing together, too. Mm. That's what I really am excited about. Is like you could pair these together and have a good robot night, cyborg night, or or metal
1: night. And and finding kind of these films that are different but yet mirror each other, right? We're gonna be talking about six films during this podcast. Three of which came out in 1986. Do you think we're favoring a year? Yeah, robots were really popular in the 80s. And I guess
0: maybe they died down in the 90s. And I think they're coming back up because I think we have this sneaking suspicion
1: that there are robots among us. Well, we've all seen those YouTube videos where robots are dancing and they're fucking freaky. I mean, they're, they're both amazing and terrifying. Absolutely.
0: With that, why don't you put this podcast into maximum overdrive,
1: Gary? You know what, Doge? I think I'll do just that. (laughs) First film we're gonna discuss is 1986's Maximum Overdrive. (laughs) Yes.
0: My name is Stephen
1: King. I've written several motion pictures. But I want to tell you about a movie called Maximum Overdrive.
0: When we talk about movies and we say you suck awesome, Maximum
1: Overdrive goes into that category of suck awesome. This film truly does define suck awesome. First of all, it is the one and only film directed by Stephen King, who also wrote the short story it's based on, Trucks. Uh, There's a reason why Stephen King has only directed one movie. The reason is Maximum Overdrive. Exactly, exactly. Exactly right. But again, it sucks awesome. Why? Because it stars... Emilio Estevez as Bill Robinson, who's like this uh, kind of generic... Yeah, uh, cook. Uh, uh, yeah, is, exactly. Like He's character. an ex-con that feels very unintimidating. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we got Pat Hingle as Hendershot, who is the asshole owner of the Dixie Boy truck stop where most of the film takes place. We have Laura Harrington as Brett, the hitchhiker, who somehow finds time among the chaos to have relationships with Emilio. Yeah. And we have our boy Frankie Fazian from Coming to America. America and do the right thing That's as great. handy. Um, and also, this film is one of the first feature appearances of Yardley Smith, uh, a.k.a. Lisa Simpson. And she later said publicly that she was embarrassed to be in this film.
0: Yeah. Uh, Lisa Simpson looking a lot like uh, Haley Joel Osment. Okay, so, so you, you gave the yeah. very, hold on, first, that is the longest roll call
1: of names. I don't I don't know if we, maybe we can do You know what? <laughs> it's not even the longest roll call on this episode, too. That's the best part, is that we're just going to get deep. Uh, what this film is about, all right? We know who's in it. A rogue comet passes over Earth, causing a phenomenon. Machines Uh. uh, randomly start coming to life and begin to kill everyone in their path. And when I say randomly, it's because, well, most machines at least. It's coming after Basically, our film centers around a group of survivors that are led by ex-con Bill Robinson. They find themselves trapped and under siege by a gang of possessed semi-trucks. And they're at this uh, truck stop called the Dixie Boy Truck Stop and Gas Station. They're basically forced to fight to survive or die.
0: Yeah, it's a, you know, Stephen King containment thriller. It's like The Mist, except for uh, aliens or creatures. It's just semi-trucks. It's like The Mist, but not as good. Yeah. You kind of buried the lead because in this movie, there's a lot of crazy things that happen. But one of the craziest things is
1: fucking ACDC. It is a robot film. And because the entire soundtrack but two songs was comprised by ACDC, which... I love AC D C but makes zero sense in this film.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean I get AC/DC makes is it rock metal and rock and roll. I, I get when you see a truck, a semi truck going down the highway, you feel that there's like a ninety percent chance that A C D C is playing in that truck. Right. But
1: A C D C is just all throughout this man. Yeah,
0: the what I really saw the most was the the lack of music supervisor in this movie. Got to say there are some awesome um There's some music mean, kills. It, it's a cool idea. Let's think about if all technology like came to life and like so it's r- really crazy. I mean, we have a pop machine that comes to life and just Hold on,
1: hold on. All technology turns against humanity kind of like terminator two
0: kind of yes can i and i'll talk about that <laughs> yes we'll, we'll, we'll move to that i was i was waiting for you to bring that up it's because it's been almost like two episodes since we talked yeah, about. yeah yeah uh, sorry two, anyways you're saying pop machine no just like <laughs> yeah pop machine comes alive just murders this baseball coach and not only that is that stephen king kills a Bunch of kids in the beginning of this like movie. Like the first ten minutes, he kills. He like, kills, oh,
1: this is he like cool. runs a kid over with a steamroller. Spoiler alert!
0: And blood explodes out of his head. Where where I heard that Stephen King was very excited about it, but when they went to the rating system, they're like, "Yo, yeah." he said cut, he had to cut it back. I heard that too. You're going to get us in an awful lot of trouble, man. We already in trouble. I don't, I don't remember watching this as a kid, but I also. I always, always had this unnerving suspicion that someday technology is going to come, well, come to life. In some way, ways, it then, is
1: right now, isn't it? Oh, I'm already dead from technology. <laughs> dead inside. My,
0: my, my cell phone has rotted me already, dude. So it has won. What's so cool about this movie is I still think this premise is fucking dope. And when you're watching it, you're like... This would be cool if they redid it now. And a funny thing is when I started researching that is that Stephen King's kid, Joe Hill, has expressed interest in
1: writing and directing a Maximum Overdrive sequel. I think writing, for sure. But why not get a dope, proven horror director, maybe one of the young cats who are doing great work right Right, now, and have them just give you a take on it, like just elevate it. Because you're really... You're asking for it. Yeah, it, you're it's just a asking risk. To make
0: the same mistakes as as
1: your father. You know, like exactly. Just because
0: you're a, an amazing writer or novelist doesn't necessarily translate into being a director. Those are two different, uh, they skills, are two man. different
1: occupations, but he is his father's son.
0: It would just be cool. To be like, Oh, and then 30 years later, his son made a shitty remake of his
1: movie. Like, isn't that <laughs> which just, just makes my... actually Stephen King's better. Cause at least it has cult status. It does suck. Awesome. Oh yeah. Uh, the opening sequence of this movie is actually one of my personal biggest fears. It opens up on one of those drawbridges where a boat passes underneath and cars are trapped on the bridge as it's lifting. And I always have had a fear of that. I will now never cross over one of those bridges again. All right. I'm going around. I'm swimming. Taking the long way.
0: (laughs) I got it. That was a pretty gnarly scene too. It's just people like shooting out of windshields and it's just like dummies and just buckets of blood. And you're like, right. ACDC van. Yeah. So I have a fun fact about this movie though. An accident happened while they were shooting where a radio controlled lawnmower used in a scene, uh, backfires, and it hit a piece of wood that the DP was standing on, made the wood splinter, and the director of photography, Armando... Nanuzi. Nanuzi Armando Nanuzzi lost his right eye. So the D P lost his Jesus. eye
1: making maximum overdrive. That, Jesus. That is way too meta and I'm sure he was uh not happy about that. Didn't he sue? Yeah, he tried Stephen to sue. he said sued for eighteen million
0: dollars, but it was settled out of court. I don't yeah. know. Yeah.
1: And I don't that, know how much you paid to a DP after you take his eye, bro. Uh I think uh probably eighteen million if that's what <laughs> that's he wants. Not, that sounds pretty that sounds fair in eighty seven. Yeah. I mean, I'll give I got a lazy eye, I'll give that one for nine million, dude. They're like, take it, bro. <laughs> sure. Come get it. Um, it's also been uh, self-admitted by Stephen King that he was a cocaine addict during yes. this time and was super coked up during the making of this film, which you can kind of feel.
0: When you watch this movie, you're like, there's some serious cocaine energy in this yes, movie. Yes,
1: yes. And, and there's also a rumor that the godfather of modern zombies, George Romero, who Stephen King wrote Creepshow and yeah. did with, basically ghost-directed a large piece of this film, if not most of it, while King went under treatment for cocaine addiction, which King has never admitted to. But a lot of fans have talked about it and said, you know, a lot of those angles really do feel like Romero angles. And if you were out of your mind, wouldn't you call your good buddy George up to help you out? I mean, yeah, it's very like poltergeist story. Uh, Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, you know. Everybody needs somebody sometime. You got to lean on someone, bro. (laughs) Especially when you're high off cocaine. We made you! Uh, something That's else Hollywood. I found weird. Um, yeah. Oh, so first of all, Gary Busey was interested in starring in this film. Of course he was. That's weird. But of course he was, right? But Stephen King supposedly originally wanted to cast Bruce Springsteen in the lead. Hell yeah, dude. Now I love the boss, but I was. This was so strange to me. I'm like, is he? He's never. I mean, he's danced in the dark, but has he ever acted before? <laughs> But yeah, Bruce seen in this movie, fuck yeah, I'm, I'm for that. I wish I would have uh, seen that. Uh, but the thing we haven't talked about, and I can't believe we haven't, uh, is the main antagonist, the main evil semi-truck, oh, yeah. has a giant green goblin face, Spider-Man. It's the green goblin. I don't even it's, know how that's a homage as not just a blatant ripoff. Like, did they have yeah, to clear it's, that? it's a giant green goblin face. Yeah. I mean, it's right Spider-Man. It's, it's Marvel Comics. And... Uh, it's not the marvel of today, so maybe they can do that. I just wish that more semi-truck drivers would embrace that a little bit more. Well, supposedly, after that thing was melted, uh, there was a cat that bought it on auction took it to his junkyard and stored it there for years and it got all weathered. And then after like a decade, he started to restore it on nights. It took him like 11 years to restore it. And then he strapped it to the front of his own truck and goes to horror conventions and comic cons now with Boom. that on there. I think all fucking trucks should have that shit on front of them. I, I can't argue with logic like that. Who was driving it?
0: I don't know. The, the one thing that popped from me is the inconsistency of what came to life and what didn't, you know? Like you had... A bicycle yeah, at yeah. one point, like come to life and throw a kid off, but then it didn't. And then you saw like a gun, you know, shooting people, but then they also use guns.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then certain trucks came alive and certain didn't. Those damn Kenworths uh, just <laughs> just possessed by comets all the time. Um, the other thing I thought that was kind of sloppy writing from a guy. That is Stephen King, the king of cocaine. Yeah, the king of cocaine. <laughs> there you go. The thing I thought was kind of sloppy was this truck stop gas station just so happened to have a military sized arsenal underneath it. I think, yeah, like a, little, a spare room. A little convenient, real convenient. So they're battling all these machines, um, but then when time comes, they're blown up with guns. And I just thought Stephen King should have found organic ways to beat these machines. Yes, and that would have made this movie. Excellent. Yeah, if, if this band of, you know, weirdos get together
0: and they find weapons to create and, like, go back to the Stone Age to defeat the future, you know, like...
1: Yeah, plus, who doesn't awesome.
0: love a great montage A-Team style yeah, in like, this movie? Oh, a, oh, my God. And what's even better about this movie is that is that it opens with information card and then it ends with an information card of just like oh by the way there's this meteor that we're not going to discuss in yeah in they movie do the, the
1: really cheap version of star wars where they give you a prologue and an epilogue um because they don't have the money to film yeah. what's actually happening i don't know
0: it's just so bad you're like right on that's solid that's solid filmmaking there king good job so but yeah. it sucks awesome <laughs> it sucks awesome
1: though <laughs> if you haven't seen maximum overdrive I had to rent this, and I was not upset
0: about it. No, no,
1: you can rent it on Amazon, and um, it is a good time. Fucking unplug all your electronics, except for your TV, and then watch
0: Maximum Overdrive. Because you need your TV to watch it. But don't be fucking surprised if it comes to life and tries to kill you. Don't get too close to the screen. Adios, motherfucker! All right, I see your suck awesome 1986 robot movie, and I match you with my suck awesome 1986 robot movie. Right on. I'm talking Chopping Mall. And chopping will never be the same. So, yeah. Chopping Mall, directed by Jim Wynorski, starring Kelly Maroney. We got some Scream Queens in here. Know from Night of the Comet. Barbara yeah. Crampton from Reanimator.
1: Yeah, and, you got the Reanimator. Beyond. You uh, got Dick Miller, who's been in every Dick movie. Dick Miller is in this movie for four minutes, and it's disrespectful. He makes a cameo, and he's Dick that's, Miller. Yeah,
0: that's as long as you he can did get Dick thirty Miller.
1: Roger Corman films, and this is a Roger Corman production. Julie Corman produced as Roger's wife. Okay, well, I'm just saying, Dick Miller is a busy dude, and he could probably only give Chopping Mall one day, and that's okay, you know. Well, if that's the case, then I'm all right with it. But if it's disrespectful, I don't think it is. I don't. No one's trying to disrespect. Sure. Dick I'm just Miller, making bro. sure it's day. You clumsy son of a bitch! Look what you did. I gotta turn you into scrap metal for this. It's Dick Miller. <laughs> I know, I know. So anyway,
0: what is <laughs> shopping mall? You say <laughs> shopping mall? <laughs> I do say. What is it, Doge? A group of young shopping mall employees stay after hours for a late night party in one of those stores that just have like the beds and couches, and they just fuck all over them. Just, just that's yeah, what they do. They're yeah. like, hey, there's a stay lot late? of
1: gratuitous female nudity. Exactly.
0: So they all (laughs) stay late and have sex in in a mall store, which does sound fun, but uh, when the mall goes on lockdown before they can get out, the -the state-of-the-art robot security systems malfunction thanks to a lot, a lot of lightning. A lot of lightning. They cut a lot of, uh, cut away to a lot of lightning strikes in this movie. (laughs) So, one of those lightning strikes strike the security robots, and those security robots
1: short-circuit. a, hey, because that's what they kind of look like, is bad versions of Johnny Five. And they go on a killing spree, which is why the original title was Kill Bots. So, what are your machines that do besides kill criminals?
0: So... I remember Chopping Ball very fondly as a child. <laughs> Tell us why, Doge. So this was one the first movie that I got to see boobs in.
1: Like this was the <laughs> this was the sneaky. I'm glad one. you've matured since you've first seen boobs.
0: Stop <laughs> <laughs> right there and surrender your weapon. What's funny is that I remember my grandpa used to like bootleg movies on his like tape player, like his like um recorder. So he would set up his recorder and point it at his TV and record the VHSs he's watching
1: rather than getting you know, VHSs and doing it. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, what the hell is he doing? Just get another VHS player. So He's well, making homemade bootlegs. So like. I'm
0: watching a homemade bootleg of Chopping Mall, and I hear my grandpa, who had a laugh like Dr. Hibbert, so he'd be like, hoo, 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 watching Chopping Mall, and then so whenever, like, a a funny kill would happen I would hear him giggle and that was very fun but I also remember my parents letting this go under the radar because they didn't know how much boobs were in Chopping Mall and there was a specific scene where a wonderful busty woman says like come back Mike and you can see these, and, and your
1: and your and, real name. And My
0: real name is Mike. So, as a little kid, hearing that, like a little horny little kid, uh, <laughs> that was really awesome. I really like that. So, that's probably why I'm talking about. <laughs> you were a little <laughs> shit, man.
1: <laughs> so, um, you know, mine was uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Nice. My mom didn't realize how much nudity was in that. Yeah, and she was like, "Why are you renting this movie again?" <laughs> Me and my brother were rented all the time. And I'm sorry. Uh, I was eleven, okay? I can't I'm yeah, sorry. What I mean, hey. What do you want? <laughs> right? So when we were like,
0: let's watch shopping Mall, I was very excited because I was like, I remember this movie. It was so so badass. And I gotta admit, while watching this, um, I was disappointed in a lot of the kills in this. Like I was expecting I just remembered this thing being way more like gory and, and violent and it really was and minus a couple awesome kills. Well, first of all, Doctor, the protectors do not kill. They merely
1: detain intruders until the computer, located on the roof, can patch into the mall phone system and send an alarm to the police.
0: Uh, Once you said that the budget's $800,000, I was like, that so it's like, that's super impressive. I mean, it's a, b- it's a containment movie all in one mall. The robots are fun, cheesy 80s robots. And... Uh, Yeah, it is gratuitous and some awesome kills, but it's just like a a fun idea. And, um, you know, maybe the relationship with the mall has changed recently. I think that these robots
1: can just, like, no one's even going into a mall anymore. There's very, maybe in some parts of middle America, but... uh, Uh, I think a certain company kind of ruined the mall for us, especially yeah. during this last year.
0: Well, I- exactly.
1: <laughs> but what I didn't know
0: um, was, speaking of malls, that this was filmed in the Sherman Oaks Gallery. It's the,
1: at the Galleria, which how many fucking films have been filmed there now? Commando. I mean, that's literally 10 minutes from where we're doing this podcast. I mean, we should we have done live from the Sherman Oaks yeah, Gallery. Actually, yeah, actually, I apologize. We should have done that. We fucked up. We'll try to do better next time. We
0: talked about Maximum Overdrive having very convenient guns located. Mm. Let me tell you, this
1: mall, in Chopping Mall, is loaded with guns. Which they did in Dawn of the Dead, but didn't seem as cheap in Dawn of the Dead. Because I felt like in the 70s, that really existed. I felt like in Chopping Mall, they rolled eh, in the and store, were like oh they, cool here's the guns m16, weren't even locked just, yeah just they weren't even out. locked up they right, were just sitting on the shelf and one dude just grabs an m16 it yeah. was like here's your m16 sir it's not even locked. Uh, where are your soccer balls
0: oh yeah they're right by the m16s You're like, <laughs> oh, okay cool like i'm like what is this sporting goods store but just guns on fucking. yeah listen you got to kill a bot with something yeah, so I saw Chopping Mall on DVD, but if you don't have the Chopping Mall on DVD, it's also available on Shutter. Thank you. Have a nice day. All right, Gary, we're done with robots. We're moving on to cyborgs.
1: What is your cyborg movie, dude? I'm talking about 1987's RoboCop. Dead or alive, you are coming with me. Hell yeah. Directed by Paul Verhoeven, that's the guy who gave us the original Total Recall, Basic Instinct, The Underrated Showgirls, Starship Troopers, and Hollow Man. Wow, what
0: a, what a six-pack right there, dude. Yeah,
1: yeah. Paul Verhoeven had a minute, bud. He had a minute of ups and downs, baby. <laughs> Woo! But I'll tell you what, man, um, I fuck with most of those films. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're all fun. Uh, so Robocop stars Peter Weller as Murphy, a.k.a. Robocop, Nancy Allen as Lewis, who is Brian De Palma's ex-wife. She was in Dressed to Kill, Carry, and Blowout, amongst other things. And Ronnie Cox as Jones. And did I bury the lead, Doge? Yes, you did. I did, because the baddest of the bad in this film is Kirkwood Smith, a.k.a. Red Foreman from That 70s Show as Clarence.
0: Can you fly, Bobby? Yeah, dude. I mean, Robocop, is so badass and the action and effects in this movie are brutal at times insane and yeah like we both watched the director's cut um and currently streaming on hulu by accident it says rated
1: r but it's really the director's cut and it's also on paramount plus but uh brutal movie so basically what this film is about it is a near dystopic crime-ridden detroit so it's now yes <laughs> so, right Old detroit has a cancer the cancer is crime. Uh, Murphy, uh, Peter Weller, he's a good cop, and he is terminally wounded in a in just fucking gruesome fashion. I mean, just <laughs> he gets shot, 100, 100, yeah, 100 200, About just blown to pieces. Two okay? straight minutes of getting oh, just shot. Just shot, just screaming in pain. It's like, what the fuck? Anyways, he's terminally wounded in absolute gruesome fashion, and he is transformed by an evil corporation known as OCP, and they turn Peter Weller, who has signed his post-life over, into a cyborg known as RoboCop. This movie is brutal, This movie is violent, and this movie is absolutely fucking awesome.
0: I'd buy that for a dollar. (laughs) Yeah, well said. Robocop, we got 34 kills, and we got 35 fucks in this movie. That's some robo-killing, baby. There's a lot of uh, people, and not only are there 34 people who get killed, there are 34 people that just get
1: absolutely, like, exploded. Look, we rarely talk about squib work. Okay, now, squib work is old school ways to make gunshots. And this movie has squib work so exquisite that we have to talk about it now. I'm
0: not that guy that talks about squib work. I am. This movie needs to be acknowledged that when someone gets shot, uh, just a blast, a chunk of flesh or just blood just bursts out. And what's great is that, I mean, Peter Weller, for real, gets shot. As Peter Weller, as Murphy, yeah. and RoboCop, in this movie combined, I mean, 10,000 plus times. Yeah, I, the, it's most insane. Most of the movie is just bullets just shooting at RoboCop. A nice little fun fact about Give it to us. RoboCop is that they wanted to do the original like logline, or how they promoted the movie, as, he's like Dirty Harry with ball bearings. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, they didn't because they thought Clint Eastwood or Warner Brothers would be like, hey, fuck you guys. Yeah, I think they would have.
1: I think they would have. have They'd be like, hey,
0: this has nothing to do with Dirty Harry. We don't own Dirty Harry, but if we did and we put ball bearings on him, it would be this.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, uh, one of the big appeals to RoboCop are those ball bearings, the suit that he wears to become RoboCop. Yeah. And they cast Peter Weller because he was a thin man uh, and he looked good in the suit. Um, but the suit was very restrictive. So a lot of the mime work and work he did to play a cyborg, that's right. He trained baby. Um, he took his craft seriously. Uh, a lot of it was scrapped because he had to kind of reteach himself how to walk, stand and move in the suit to be convincing. And i read somewhere that he lost like three pounds a day wearing that thing. Yeah. I heard that the thing was like 10 pounds.
0: So the very first time they put that suit on him, it took 11 hours. Oh, God. Just to figure it out? Yeah. And then they were like, holy shit. And then in the 80s, we didn't see robots being able to move fluid. I think now we we're can like, see yeah. like, robots can bend and move and do whatever. But, but this isn't
1: a robot. It's, it's a cyborg. Ooh.
0: Big difference. Mm-hmm. You're right. So there that's the thing. I, I do get confused where you're like robot cyborg, but- Well, the main difference is
1: that a cyborg still has a partial human component to it. Right. So RoboCop still has partial human brain, a human face, and the rest of them is pretty much robotic.
0: Yeah. Terminator, full robot. Cyborg. I mean... But is it? It just because he has skin?
1: human skin and tissue growing over it, and that tissue really is growing, according to Terminator, right? Ah. so cyborg, and they call him a cybernetic organism. Right. They even call it out. Are we going to talk about T two? No, no, we're not. Okay, we're not
0: talking about T two. Um, but again, back to RoboCop. I just like the world that it creates, you know, the satire and the um, TV commercials. It's very self-aware. The newscasting. It just really depicts this whole, like, desolate city that's just being overran with crime. And, all right, let's call it what it is. I mean, they, they kind of predict the future to Detroit. Like, it was talking about a bankrupt city. And then, sure enough, that eventually happened. Like, RoboCop pulled the Simpsons and like predicted uh, Detroit's future. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, Your client's a scumbag. You are a scumbag. And scumbags see the judge on Monday morning. RoboCop literally blows dicks off. I mean. Yeah, he does. He, he actually, real? there's a man who gets shot in the dick. And That's, that's how I feel every time I
0: watch this movie. It's yeah. just, I feel my dick explode watching this Yeah, movie. yeah. you get like, your dick blown just, off because it's so it's fucking just, badass. It's just so insane. It's so much fun. And if you haven't seen this in a while, rewatch it. I mean, the, the kills are awesome. The pace is killer. Red Foreman just being red and you're like, this
1: is great. Yeah, I have a couple more fun facts. I'd yeah. love to shout out to you. Yes. Um, first of all, the awesome Robocop suit. Cost somewhere between five hundred thousand and a million dollars, and they had six of them. The suit was so bulky that whenever you see RoboCop inside of a car, it's Peter Weller in his underwear, just wearing the top half of the suit. And then whenever you see him try to get in or out of a car, you never see him fully get in or out of a car. And it's almost always a close-up when he gets out of his feet touching the ground. It's because illusions. Ooh, nice little filmmaking uh, trick
0: there. So when I was working at a video store, you know, um, and some guy would come up to rent this, he'd be like, hey, uh, do you have that movie about that uh, that guy who's
1: half uh, cop and half robot? Uh, You know, robot cop? (laughs) (laughs) Which honestly is also a good title. (laughs) Which, like, no, it's it's crazy. Robot cop. (laughs) Robot cop. You just took the T out. And it's RoboCop,
0: infinitely cooler, but Robot Cop just sounds so like. Yeah, apparently
1: Peter Weller stayed in character in between takes for the first half of filming oh. and insisted that Paul Verhoeven call him Robo. <laughs> and Paul Verhoeven thought it was ridiculous, and that only lasted a few weeks.
0: Yeah, it's um, like all right, Daniel Day, like all right, listen, yeah. um,
1: Robo. <laughs>
0: if Daniel Day Lewis was doing some like RoboCop um, method acting, I and mean, you would have to respect that, right? I mean, that's kind of that would be awesome, though. That's an awesome request for an actor to say, hey, call me Robo. <laughs>
1: the director being like, nah, I'm sorry, I can't nah, do it. I can't do it. I'm Dutch, I don't play that way. Um, so uh, originally, David Cronenberg was approached as one of the many directors uh, and offered to do this film and he turned it down. And David Cronenberg's RoboCop Maybe no. too much to handle. Yeah, that would have been. I would the body horror elements of that. I can't imagine Cronenberg directed this. What would Cronenberg's RoboCop look like? God like, knows. Whoa. God knows the mesh of like the fusion of flesh it would have been gnarly, and, and metal would have just yeah. been fucking gnarly. Uh, so Peter Weller plays RoboCop in the first two, and funny enough, he didn't play RoboCop in the third one. Why? Because he went to go do naked lunch with. Director David Cronenberg. We've come full circle. Full circle, baby. Oddly enough, I have
0: Peter Weller's autograph on a golf visor. Where else would you have <laughs> Peter Weller's autograph? My uh, my uncle was <laughs> my, my uncle uh, went golfing with Peter Weller and former Chicago Bear legend Steve Mongo McMichael. Yeah, um, Mongo. and he went golfing with them, and he returned and he gave me a hat with signed by. Mongo McMichael and Peter Weller, and he wrote AKA RoboCop. And I was just like, "This is very strange." I appreciate this, and I still have it today. But it's just like he's kind of like post- having <laughs> Randy Jackson's autograph on a samurai sword. That's my equivalent. Man. And I'm just thinking, like, man, what was that? What was that golf outing? Been? Did they all just get? Did my uncle just get loaded with fucking RoboCop and A lot and of Mongo?
1: testosterone, bro.
0: Probably, but awesome. <laughs> That's just how life works sometimes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Robocop is fucking awesome. And yeah. it's streaming right now on Hulu. And you said on Paramount Plus. Correct. And if you have not seen Robocop after this podcast, this is the film you have to go watch. I'm, I'm saying
0: if for. you haven't seen Robocop in the last six months, <laughs> you should rewatch it again. Because, yeah, uh, oh, you should. You know, oh, this is a one a year. year. Yeah, yeah I watch this once a year. Like, At least. Yeah. yeah. Your move, creep.
1: Doge. This next film, I have to admit, you turned me on, to. Tell yeah. us all about it. Well, listen, I know we started this podcast in maximum
0: overdrive, but now it's time to upgrade it.
1: Now, while you have the advantage.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about 2018 Upgrade, directed by Lee Winell. The genius behind The Invisible Man and writer of Saw. Mm-hmm. So this movie stars Logan Marshall Green. You might know him more as Tom Hardy. Yes, yes. Uh, looks like Tom
1: Hardy very much. Yes. Very, <laughs> very
0: similar Tom Hardy. He's in it. And then Harrison Gilbertson. and Who looks very much like Jared Leto's love child. So really, if you kind of watch this movie like... Little uh, little high, little buzzed up. You're like, wow, this is a cool Tom Hardy, uh, Jared Leto movie. You know? Yeah,
1: yeah. Which would be great, but you would never get them out of five. You would never get. Budget. You would never <laughs> do that. But you can get these two guys.
0: And I just gotta say, Harrison Gilbertson. Um, can you can you make a worse name? Like what? Oh, Harrison Gilbertson. Why are you making me do this? This actor named Harrison Gilbertson. Great name. I gotta say, that's... parents loved him. <laughs> It was like you can re-reverse that. Gilbertson
1: Harrison is still terrible. Like, <laughs> the last name's better with your first name, like, Gilbertson.
0: I I don't know. that's just a really that's Gilbertson. So get
1: over here. <laughs>
0: This guy's a good actor, but you haven't seen him in anything else because his name is Harrison Gilbertson. Like, I can't, you know, like, I'm going to go see the Gilbertson movie? Come on, yeah, man. I think
1: at that point in time, a stage name is is appropriate.
0: Yeah, come <laughs> on, man. But anyway, so that guy looks like Jared Leto. What <laughs>
1: is Upgrade about? Because I'm dying. So
0: Upgrade is about Gray Trace, and he's a stay-at-home old school mechanic. This guy is an analog bolts and nuts type of guy. You know? Yeah, yeah.
1: Man's and, man eating strombolies.
0: Yeah, gotcha. you know, and this is takes place in in the future, near future, where, you know, a lot of uh, robots and self-driving cars, you know, are yeah, are, are, are yeah. the big thing. So, he's Humanity's working on the... Uh, lazier. <laughs> yeah. He's working on his car and then his wife comes home who works for a tech company and him and his wife are attacked by a group of enhanced super thugs. Gray watches his wife get shot and bleeds to death and then he gets paralyzed during this attack and so now gray is a widowed quadriplegic you killed my wife yeah yeah
1: he's he's pretty angry rightfully so he watched the love of his life die in front of him after a crazy car accident that felt like a setup yeah and then yeah like you said enhanced thugs try to take them out and for some reason They've left him alive.
0: Yes. And his only hope is his crazy super genius dude. Uh, Jared
1: Little's love child.
0: Harrison Gilbertson. <laughs> so Harrison Gilbertson is just like, hey, bro, I'm a super genius. I have a lair and inside my lair, I have a cloud like – the movie does open up with this dude
1: in a lair and he's playing with a cloud. And not like the iCloud where there's just, you know, imaginary. No, he's place like where making clouds. This guy's a yeah, genius. He's making clouds. Not blowing clouds, making but
0: them. He's making them. So the super genius is like, I got a chip that will fucking change your life.
1: They have some surgery. A computer chip is yeah. stuck in where the spine and the brain still yeah. kind
0: of meet. He's up and moving around.
1: Yeah. And, and not just that, he's He's got a thing inside
0: him that's uh helping him out. So, yeah. he's got, I would almost argue that
1: he's been upgraded.
0: Ooh. So, yes, he's been upgraded with STEM. So, what is STEM is this chip inside him that kind of talks to him and can make him do things. And STEM is us like, hey, why don't we get some revenge on those people who killed your wife? and gray is just like um all right i guess maybe
1: we should just turn him in and stem's like nah we'll just murder them in awesome fashion so i watched this movie i really dug it i thought the premise was dope i thought the acting was tight the directing was tight i thought that the plot was a little loosey-goosey at times but there are a couple sequences like that bathroom sequence dude Ooh. you know what you've s- never seen a quadriplegicia take out a bathroom full of people well yeah. you're about to see it man and it's awesome I know that some
0: scumbag in here knows one of the guys who murdered my wife. His name's Cirque Brantner. So if you know Sirk, or if you know any information about the killing of my wife, if you could just raise your hand. It's not really a revenge movie, but it it is a little bit, you know? It, he's not really, you know, it's not a death wish or this like killer robot, but it's just a guy just kind of, you know, Rebuilding himself, he well, what he ends up doing and- is
1: the stem, which is that microchip in place in his body. He starts to share his consciousness with. Yes, and so you have this thing that's part revenge movie, and it's also part of like a man versus machine. But it's really feels more like a man versus man. And it's funny that Logan Marshall Green looks like Tom Hardy yes. because in Venom. The symbiote I mean, that, that overtakes him talks to him. Exactly. Much like this film. So it's like great double feature, Venom yes. and Upgrade. <laughs> yeah, you're right, dude. They're
0: both guys that have, you know, something talking to them that gives them superpowers. Given the superpowers and Venom a little more uh, crazy. But you know how Lee Wynell designed some of these fight scenes and how Logan Marshall Green moved. I mean, some
1: awesome physical yeah, acting. It kind of reminds that, me of when done. Van Damme is practicing in Kickboxer. On uh, that tree, and (laughs) and, you know he's doing different moves. Like the moves are robotic, but like you know what it reminded me of—the Matrix without the camera spinning around him. Exactly. What I what I got is I got like Evil Dead. Uh, two
0: vibes from it too. Like in that first scene when his body is fighting and he has no idea what he's (laughs) like, and he's smashing plates over the dude's head and his reaction it's like, I don't mean to be killing these guys, um, but I am. And how he sold that was so fun and so rewarding. Like I had so much fun watching those scenes of when like, you know, the stem takes over and Logan Marshall Green just has this face of like, I can't believe this is happening right now. It was like, a lot of fun. Do you think he watched Evil Dead 2 before? No doubt, he yes. Did. Stem can't move his neck, which is interesting in that fight scene when. He doesn't move uh, his neck. A punch is thrown at him. You see, Stem move the head with his hand. So it's it's a cool thing where so like Logan Marshall Green doesn't actually move his neck; he has his hand move it. So it, that's like the detail in the fight sequences. So, that, the, like, so Stem really, like, can
1: fight with your body parts that he can make move. But because you're quadriplegic, hence your spine and your yes. and I advise that you remove any traces of your presence here. That also means cleaning up the vomit in the sink.
0: Okay, just, just give me, just give me a second, okay.
1: Maybe that's why those fight scenes look so unique. Yeah. They really were. They were really because cool. Because
0: I heard they like put a cell phone onto Logan Marshall mm-hmm. Green and then paired the camera to yeah, that. Yeah,
1: so the guys could see it so they could get that reverse when they were steady Steadicam and, and then fighting, which I think is like... Kind of brilliant. They basically just added a monitor over there so he could see what he was doing and they could.
0: I mean, I really love this movie because the kills, like there are some kills that happen where you're like, right on, that's cool. And then there's some kills where you like throw up the horns where you're like, yeah, you know, that's a butcher awesome. knife. But there are multiple kills where I'm like, yeah. I like audibly was like, fuck, yeah. yeah. That first knife scene, uh, yeah. when we were talking about chopping ball obviously two different movies but you like set up these scenes for kills you know yeah. and an upgrade when they set up a scene and you know someone's gonna get killed it is ultimately rewarding like yeah every, it's either every a kill great fight sequence yeah. or
1: a kill that is just like holy shit and it's a bit terrifying and also rewarding yeah. and, and what
0: i like about it is it's like you know there's some twists and turns i don't want to spoil it but it's just like a weird i mean the the ending and then the ending, ending like the bottom dropped for me, where I was like, "Whoa, this is so like really fucking dark." I guess or not? It, it's it really. It is dark because it really becomes because
1: you know. it feels like this. It's this strange combination where it's supposed to be man versus man, but it's man versus machine, but the machine's inside the man. Whoa. And you're battling that along with the other elements that he's tackling. Uh, I'm just man a, a man film. with a machine and a man versus a man. Yeah, exactly. I'm and so this man. movie has a couple twists and turns in the third act that are a lot of fun. And it doesn't feel like a huge film, but it does a lot with its budget, especially yeah. in 2018 dollars, $5 But There's fights yeah. in this film that make it feel like a $25 million film Yeah, easily. exactly.
0: Yeah, I really... I've been banging the drum on this movie for you a You have, time. and
1: I didn't watch it when you said to the first, like, 30 times. And then yes. I watched it and I said, that movie's pretty fucking cool. You can see why Leah Wynel got Invisible Man 2020. Exactly. yeah. And why it was dope. Yeah, upgrade your life and watch
0: Upgrade, dude.
1: You now have full control again, Gray. All right, Gary, what is metal? I'm talking about 1986's animated feature Transformers the movie.
0: Transformers! Fuck yeah, dude. Um... Fun fact, when I mentioned we should cover this movie, you immediately checked your pulse. <laughs> you were so excited about prescription. You, you put your fingers to your neck and then ran to your room and then took out all your Transformer DVDs. <laughs> so
1: I know that I you're ready. I bring them back in and show them to you. Look, I have all the seasons and I have this movie and this. I'm just going to let you go, RoboCop bro. and Transformers in the same podcast? <laughs> what are you doing? I'm, oh my God. I'm, I'm just, I'm laying down. I'm letting you, you drive this. Okay, I know I'll, how I'll just kick this are. off. I'm excited about this. I have seen Transformers the animated movie I'm talking to the original 1986 movie at least a hundred <laughs> times in my life. <laughs> I Never thought I'd be so happy to see those big bozos. That is not an exaggeration okay? I know and I have a certain group of friends that have probably seen it just as much and you know who you are If you're listening, okay, this film it is the last performance by the great Orson Wells as Unicron, his final role, okay? We got <laughs> Robert Stack as Alder Magnus, Leonard Nimoy as Galvatron, Eric Idle as Rekgar, Casey Kasem as Cliffjumper, and Judd Nelson as Hot Rod, a.k.a. Ronimus Prime.
0: This was almost
1: too easy, Starscream. Yeah, dude. Uh, The the excitement that is
0: just blasting off. I I just need to remind you. Orson Welles (laughs) in his
1: final role as Unicron. He could barely breathe. He was wheezing in, in the booth. And he died before the movie came out. But he did one more. And he gave us Unicron. The planet that eats other planets. You underestimate me, Galvatron fuck, dude. It's just,
0: Transformers is a serotonin boost to you, bro. Like, I, now I know whenever you're down, I'm just gonna say fucking Transformers, and I'll see that that frown turn upside down, dude. Basically,
1: right? I will see that frown transform it will. into a smile. It will. Uh, so, Transformers is about the Autobots. They must stop a colossal robot planet named Unicron played by Orson Welles. And that's a monstrous planet that devours other planets. And uh, they're trying to protect it from... Cons- consuming their own world, uh, while guarding the all-powerful Matrix of Leadership, which is now kind of referred to as the Allspark in the modern movies. Okay. But this is the original Matrix, okay? We started it first. And they're trying to guard this from Unicron, played by... Orson Welles. Exactly. And Unicron desires it because this is the one thing that can stand in his pathway of ultimate destruction, of ultimate just conquering the universe. I now possess
0: that which you most fear
1: have to worry about Unicron. Meanwhile, they gotta worry about the Decepticons, who are doing an all-out attack on the Autobots. I mean, like, basically, let me explain this. The cartoon was built to sell toys. So Hasbro wanted to sell toys, right? We all know that. So they used We all this had the movie, Transformers toys. Yes, they used this movie as an opportunity to usher in the new line of Transformers, which meant they were going to usher out the old line of Transformers. So what happened was 10-year-old me saw this film or 8-year-old me. I don't know how old I was when I first saw it. I was <laughs> young. And all of the things that I loved were murdered Dude, they in go, front of me. That the first 20 minutes of this movie is fucking...
0: Shakespeare, dude. The yeah, it's Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones, right it's there. It's excellent. Just murders the Optimus everybody. Prime,
1: who's the Autobot leader, fighting Megatron, that Decepticon leader, is so good. I have chills and goosebumps right now <laughs> as I describe it. Okay, it is the greatest animated robot movie ever made. Period.
0: One shall stand, one shall fall. Why throw away your life so recklessly? that's a question you should ask yourself megatron i love the enthusiasm bro i love it and i appreciate it i just but you're not sure if everybody knows what the movie's about right.
1: <laughs> they know i'm really excited i was about just it. like
0: you were so excited and it it just warms me dude it warms my heart to see how uh happy transformers makes you bro and i gotta admit like i haven't seen transformers in a minute but I got to watch
1: it with the Gary commentary track. It's me doing all the lines I know. You which, say even, it- which is like at least probably how many honestly do I think you think I know? 90, oh and,
0: and, and so you act them out and you do the voices. And then of course, every musical break, I get a little guitar solo. Oh God. Because um,
1: Lion does the fucking Transformers theme and it is hair metal as fuck. So
0: I really saw uh, like the, the 4d version of Transformers. The you movie Cause you, you did. really do. It's over
1: it. prime.
0: And honestly, when I was watching it, I realized that like, you know what? The bones to this story are fucking badass. I mean, there are some like cool plot points uh to this when you're like looking at the script, you're like, that was good, that was good, that was good.
1: Do they all blend together or it's really this battle amongst these two different factions that have been at war for generations, the passing of a torch to a new leader, yeah. on both sides, and then a greater evil that could endanger them all. Yeah. I it's, mean, it's, I'm sorry, cool. Transformers has got the recipe, are,
0: man. The stakes are high and you're like, this is great. And then you have Weird Al uh, songs and, and Google Dare to gobble, be stupid. gobble
1: Google. Um, no, no, no. That was the Planet of Junk, led by <laughs> Rekar, who was played by Eric Idle. And Weird Al's song is called Dare to be Stupid. You also have Transformers theme song by Lion. And for some reason to this day, I still don't know why, but you got the touch which you all know being spoofed by Marky Wahlberg in Boogie Nights, you got to touch, actually appears as a song here, sung by Lion, who does the Transformers theme song. So when I first heard that yeah. in Boogie Nights, oh, I, was like, Boogie... I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> that was the best Why moment. Why did they spoof a tra- song from Transformers? It was definitely that
0: Leonardo DiCaprio meme point where I was just like pointing at the TV <laughs> and I was just like, Transformers!
1: <laughs> You're an idiot, Starscream.
0: Did I mention that this was Orson Welles' final film before he died? (laughs) I think you might have mentioned that once or twice, but uh,
1: yeah, of course, hated the movie, but he hated everything at that point. Yeah, he described it as "I'm a big toy that attacks a bunch of smaller toys." (laughs) (laughs) It's also Scatman Crothers' final film. Oh, Scatman, dude! The Shining, come on, man! He's got the fucking Shining the shout
0: outs that you're (laughs) you're giving for this oh man let's just call what it is it's the death of Optimus Prime shook our generation to the core dude it actually people wrote hate mail into Hasbro but what's crazy about that is that yeah so Transformers opens up just kills Optimus just rips the heart out of every fucking kid you didn't think that was possible spoiler alert yeah, it's, it's fine. Just prepare yourself. But just, that just shows like
1: what type of movie you're in. You're like, you don't know
0: who's living or who's yeah. dying. We
1: might kill everybody on screen. Everything you love the past three seasons is shit. Yeah, now you got to buy new toys. We're, <laughs>
0: we're selling toys. We you know? didn't see that as children. We didn't see that angle of it. We just saw you know people that we've grown to love get fucking killed. And that, was, that was seven. that's where I've learned about death was Transformers movie, dude. But what was funny about this is so, so they kill Optimus Prime and wasn't a G.I. Joe movie supposed to
1: come out? Well, Hasbro was doing two movies at once. They were doing the G.I. Joe film and they were doing the Transformers film. And the death of Optimus Prime shook people to the core. When they originally had it planned, Duke, the leader of G.I. Joe, was also supposed to die. They just had him go into a coma And then get yanked out at the end. Sorry, spoiler alert, G.I. Joe fans. Also a great animated movie. But that film was started first and finished last. So Transformers came out in between. Everybody was so fucked off because Optimus died, they changed G.I. Joe's ending. Optimus Prime died for Duke, dude. He did. And if the movies had come out in order, the outrage may have been for G.I. Joe and Optimus Prime might be alive. He might have been to this day. Oh man, what a what a!
0: We beautiful could have lived. It. There's a multiverse. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> a multiverse live. where
1: Optimus Prime doesn't <laughs> die. You, who are without mercy, now plead for it. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. And that's probably about
0: the the fiftieth time I've seen you react that uh, fight scene. You fucking love that shit, dude. I I love the. The joy that Transformers brings you. And it it brings me, too. This is a fun cartoon that, listen, the transitions aren't as smooth, but there are some, like I said, there's there's some
1: legit entertainment on there. That first 20 minutes is awesome. Yeah. And then you won't know what the fuck's going to happen for the rest of the film. And it's a lot of fun. And it has a bit of that Roger Corman ending where... Once the monster's dead, the the movie's oh, over. Ends, <laughs> they're, wait, like, dude. they're like, monster's dead, two shots later. Till dude, all are one, baby. That's it. We're, we're out. You're like, damn, they just like unplugged it and walked out, man. Yeah. Uh, just as a note, so I talked earlier about The Touch. Just as a note, uh, The Touch, which was written by Stan Bush, was actually re- inspired by the film Iron Eagle, also released in 1986. Lewis Gossett Jr., Iron Eagle, and was originally written for our namesake's own 1986 film, Cobra. I'm talking Sly Stallone. And instead, it ended up in 1986's animated film, The Transformers. Wow. You got the touch, baby. What a journey. You You got the touch, dude. Yeah, man. Thank you, thank you. No. And And you know what? You got the power. Oh. Thanks, bud. I would have waited an eternity for this. It's over, Prime. All right, Doge. Did you know that Transformers was the last performance (laughs) by the great Orson Welles? What? Crazy. This is the first I'm hearing this. It really, truly is. Doge, our final film is one of the most metal movies ever created, and we're going animated again. What do you got for us? You can't talk about metal
0: without talking about 1981 Heavy
1: metal. So, if you could see me right now, you'd see the fucking
0: horns. Yeah, dude. Uh heavy metal is a is a lifestyle, bro. Uh, for, <laughs> for real. Sure. Um this movie it's it's directed by Gerald Potterton, but there's a lot of different segments in this, a lot of different writers. It's basically an anthology movie. What this is, it's starring John Candy, Harold Ramis, Eugene Levy, and Ivan Reitman, like those are the the people behind it. We all know Ivan Reitman is Ghostbusters director. Harold Ramis, the goat, like, and then you got John Candy and Schitt's Creek. You know, you you have you
1: really can't go wrong.
0: No. But back in you know the eighties, they were into some uh, weird stuff. They wanted to do something kind of a lot of high drugs, gift, or, a lot of
1: weird shit. I <laughs> think you're going a little high, man. It's okay, man. If there's one thing I know, it's how to drive when I'm stoned. And they wanted to make an animated feature with zero fucks given, and they did just that. And how they would did you? That? How would you describe heavy metal? So I guess you know. Do we even know what heavy metal
0: is about? No, I watched it recently. And you can say it's a green uh, orb, which embodies ultimate evil. You know, it terrorizes a young girl with an anthology of bizarre and twisted fantasies. We see some weird shit. We see some eroticism, and we see a truly whacked out science fiction animated anthology movie for adults, specifically kind of nerdy adults
1: that like big boobs. Yeah, and you really can't say for adults enough. A universe of sexual fantasies.
0: Heavy metal, it's just the idea of it, I think, um, I want to talk about, you know, and the influence it had on all these other cartoons that kind of followed you know like this was the first Adult Swim or you know remember MTV Liquid Television Liquid Television like Eon Flux and the Max I don't know Sam Keith baby I don't know if those things would exist without Heavy Metal so if I owned a burger joint you know like a cool rock and roll burger joint I would just have Heavy Metal playing in the background like on silent with like the jukebox going you know because it's that type of movie like it's one of those like dive bar CD like you're drinking whiskey and heavy metals playing in the background you're like this is a cool mm. vibe mm. you know that's what I'm I, there I'm
1: I, there right I, now yeah, right
0: keep, keep going and what I what I love about heavy metal is that I'm a big uh poster collector as you know yes, I collect yes uh, pearl jam posters and concert posters and it just reminds me every frame of this movie you could just press pause
1: and then just throw a Pearl Jam logo on there and a date, and I would buy that (laughs) for $35 at least. And it's wild because I think the the film is created of five different segments plus the linking segment, and all the artwork feels like an old ECW comic. So it's very, very detailed. And I think that's what you're getting at with the inspiration. This isn't like Warner Brothers or Hanna-Barbera. It's kind of like a different, almost alternative style of animation that you didn't really see, especially often in feature film work and nothing that broke through like this did. I mean this film had a mostly original soundtrack of some of the biggest metal and rock bands of their time yeah. that wanted to contribute. That was incredible. I have never felt anything like it. It rocks if you love old school metal old school hair metal if you can't drive 55 (laughs) this is for you baby. it's just like it feels like i honestly i'm just like i want to break up a
0: bunch of Ditch weed on like a record and just roll up a fucking bad fatty and just watch heavy metal back in those days. It seems like a time capsule of that, you know. Like, of course the animation isn't fluid. This is not a Pixar movie. This is nothing like that. No. It's just like it's just so vintage and it just feels like something you shouldn't be watching. It almost feels like illegal. You're like this escaped. Like this this shouldn't be like in the mainstream culture. Where like hey check out like this this feels like an older brother or Cousin like slid this to you on the slide, be like, "Hey, you gotta check yeah, this." Yeah, somebody found
1: like, this under you your know? mattress for sure, and you're
0: like, you put it on, it just melts your mind. And
1: no hair, mmm, big. It's pretty excellent, and really like each story is kind of a different allegory. For the greater story, which is just a good versus evil story about a young girl who's underestimated by the ultimate evil. And do we really care? No, No. because it's full of dragons and and heroes and and robots
0: doing space cocaine and John
1: Candy having sex with everybody, you know? Uh, John Candy and Harold Ramis play aliens in this that lay out just... Lines of space coke yeah. that are go across the floor of the space shuttle, and they just hoover brok- them up. Brok- 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 and and it, just is having a great time. it is fucking hilarious. I'm sorry, <laughs> it is it is not appropriate. No, it is hilarious. It's hilarious. Yeah,
0: it's like you know your perspectives. Fuck, so you just gotta let your hands work the controls as if you're straight. It's something that you just have to see once. You know, like there's nothing like heavy metal. Give um. me some fun facts. So, a
1: fun fact about that is that there's 69 dead people in this movie. It's 69 dead people in this movie. Yes. That so was intentional. That had to be intentional. That had to be. You don't hit that number in a film like this. They were probably God. at like 67 and they were like, ah, oh, shit. We yeah. got two more. You know right? what, man? That's metal as fuck. Yeah, right? Uh-huh. And
0: Elon Musk is a huge fan of this movie. Of course. And
1: he made, like, a Starman Tesla and
0: shot it out into space, basically. Which
1: we all saw, which is a homage to the beginning of this film. Yeah, that's how the movie starts. So. essentially starts <laughs> so with... So without something. heavy metal,
0: <laughs> it wouldn't have influenced this crazy billionaire go-to-space trend. I think that's what heavy metal did. Oh, that's not good. Right? Yeah. Uh. Wow. Go figure. I nah, guess I I'm didn't bummed mean to that. They just wanted to make a movie with, you know, Major Boobage and Space... Cocaine, but now instead they trick billionaires to fly in space. Though, so. and you
1: see this film that's part science fiction, that's part horror movie, part desolate desert. Almost every segment of seedy underworld, whether that is a fantastical underworld or something more realistic, um, like the cab driver sequence.
0: Yeah, visually it's just something um, cool to look at. You know, just fucking watch it. And be like, wow, far out, man. It's it's a good. It's like I said. If you have a cool restaurant that
1: serves, like, cool, interesting burgers, you know,
0: just put on heavy metal in the
1: background. Yeah, yeah. And a bunch of these images on your walls. Yeah. um, Yeah. I'm going to make my own Pearl Jam
0: posters just off this art right now. I'm just going to... I'll tell you what,
1: man. If you want your one-way ticket to paradise, (laughs) you call it heavy metal. Right? Heavy fucking metal, dude. Beyond Science Fiction. And that concludes our Robots, Cyborgs, and Metal episode. What did you learn? Well, I've learned that the
0: 80s was a... um decade obsessed with robots and I and I like seeing how robots kind of evolved and cyborgs. Mm-hmm. And what what is our future with robots? I mean, right now I think back in the eighties we thought about like, oh okay, cool, like there's gonna be robots one day. Yeah. And, and that didn't and happen. Computers but are gonna now, rule the world. But. but now I think especially like we said earlier with these these videos of robots dancing and shooting three pointers. Yeah. Now opening it's doors like, and- it seems like way super real and we're like, oh man, this is this is gonna be interesting when robots are like around us, right? Or It's gonna like, be interesting
1: going? when you eventually marry a robot one day. I, I've thought about
0: it. I think that's a slippery slope like where I'm like, oh man, could I just marry can I, that that's that's my life. I've thought about this. Be like, oh, I have a robot girlfriend, that'd be it'd be weird for a little bit, but would anybody know
1: if you can have a robot and no one would know. I guess it only really matters if you know <laughs> You know, maybe some robot loving is what you need. Robot love, dude, I think. Yeah. I think you just wrote a song. Robot love. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, man. Uh, Thanks for listening. I am Gary Michael Schultz. And I'm the Doge. And this is Cinematic Quicksand. Adios, motherfucker.
0: Motherfucker.
1: cinematic quicksand on all your favorite social media and podcast platforms music for cinematic quicksand was written and performed by rudy
0: mancuso and jamie rise